Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, Lee, Lee, you know how you always eat too much on Thanksgiving? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You turn into like a human eating machine. Yeah, you just shovel it in. That's why I've got I've got Thanksgiving pants and I basically just had my girlfriend um, sew an elastic band into the front of them so I don't have to um, wear pants or I don't have to like button them. So like... <laughs> So, like, you just leave the fly open and have elastic sewn in the front? Yes. Yes. Wow. Wow. Classy Lee. I, I, I well, thought about getting maternity pants for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lee, talk about mothers and eating a lot. We've got a story about a prehistoric fish that may or may not eat everything that it comes into contact with. Lee, what are we doing? We are talking about the Megalodon. We got some notes that were provided to us by um, my uh, lovely girlfriend. Ooh la la, Mike, roll that funky intro. You are listening to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast, your one-stop shop for the outstanding, the unconventional, and the downright strange. Strap in, because the boys are about to take a wild ride. I'm Funk Master B, setting up that team for the duo of dumb foolery. Your hosts, Dan and Lee. Of course I believe in aliens. I mean, in an infinitely growing universe, why would we be the only living Terrestrial podcast, your home for the strange, the macabre, the conspiratorial, and all things prehistoric and massive. That's what I'm talking about, Lee. Uh, I am one half of your hosting duo, Mr. Dan Martson, recording just down from the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his infamous deal with the devil. And as always, I am joined by Mr. Lee Eric. Lee, how's it going? Oh, everything is going great. As always, I'm coming to you from the Bell Witch's backyard, and I'm here in the Haunted Barn studio. 
And tonight we are talking about um, a friend of ours. Well, not really a friend of ours. Um, uh, just a giant eating machine um, that uh, lived many years ago. Many, many years ago. Yes, Lee. And I thought it would be appropriate for this episode if we brought in a a ringer, if you will. Uh, a Meg ringer. A Meg ringer? Um, and so list, going through our fourth hand Rolodex, uh, we landed on our man at the end in the Z section, Justin Zinger. Zinger, how's it going, my man? Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure to be on here. And I think we're going to need a bigger podcast. Ooh. Oh, wait. Wrong <laughs> shark movie reference. My bad. Yeah, not quite. Not quite. Um, Zinger's the ringer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so Justin, um, we've we've been listening to Zing this, love it, um, mm-hmm. especially love the Knights of the Round Table episodes. You mm-hmm. guys did an episode on the Meg movie. How was that? Um. Okay. So, long story short, on those, I do those with, of course, Derek Hayes from Monster Among Us and uh, David. Flora from Blurry Photos. Um, we we get together to do those, and it was my turn to pick, and I picked the Meg because, as established in there, Derek had mentioned it a long time ago. I was like, "Oh no, this is awful. I'm not doing it." So then, <laughs> when it came to me, I was like, "This is awful. We're doing it." So, um, needless to say, once again, I was the only fan of that movie because Zingness had covered it when it came out in theaters. Forced friend of the show. Uh, Phil Rude to go watch it with his son and both of them demanded their money back while me and Ellie were both <laughs> thumbs up. This was an amazing movie. So there are your opinions. I am once again coming on, on bended knee to another podcast to plead <laughs> for the Meg's both movie and book series as a it's worth it's worth a checkout. So by by that I have come to you guys on bended knee to, to give another opportunity for me to preach the the word of the Meg. Very cool, Zinger. Very cool. Now before before we get too crazy, uh, tell the folks about some other uh, things they can listen to on Zing this that are coming up. Well, um, of course, we just got done with our October stuff, with his, which we have dubbed Zingtober, where we do a ton of creepy, paranormal stuff like that. Uh, we had an episode recently discussing some of our favorite Halloween movies, which involved, of course, Hocus Pocus, and some of our favorite scary movies, which, of course, involved Cabin in the Woods. So you can check that out. Um, our ongoing debate on whether Nightmare Before Christmas is a Halloween or a Christmas movie will be concluded if you have been listening last week with our Thanksgiving episode because that in my opinion is the perfect time to watch that movie because it's perfectly in between the two but we will have our opinions on that there so go check that episode out I personally think that uh, the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is a Christmas movie Um, I also think it's a Halloween movie you can pretty much watch it any time of the year actually Um, just watch it I argue you can only watch it on Thanksgiving because it is the perfect balance but we will have to, or you will have to go listen and find out our final conclusion of that topic. I I really like Zinger's take on this, Lee. I like the middle of the road approach, um, but I'm also one of those people who really likes like movies on a certain day. Like I love Star Wars on May the Fourth. I love um, 
It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas Eve. You know, like just um, Memorial Day um, Saving Private Ryan. I don't know. Like. Uh, mean Girls <laughs> on October 3rd. Because <laughs> on that day, he asked me what day it was. And I told him it's October 3rd. <laughs> right. Like some movies just fit a day so perfectly. Um, so I really, I'm really into that. Um, so anyways, we will get into our discussion of the Meg and what the real Meg. Yes, that's right. It was a thing. Um, (laughs) after we do a quick ad read for our friends at Simple Equations Media in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada, Lee. Yes. Simple Equations Media. They do all of our editing. Um, which is beautiful. Um, it allows me to turn into apparently a vagabond that barely shows up to anything on time. So, <laughs> <laughs> but guys, uh, Simple Equations Media, a full service audio video production company based out of Las Vegas, they can take an idea from pre production through post production. They can help you shoot it. They can do all kinds of projects. If you are an indie band looking to do a music video, if you need music for a movie or TV show you're trying to get off the ground, guys, Simple Equations Media has your back. Go check them out. Lee, where can people find Simple Equations? You can find Simple Equations Media on Facebook, Twitter at Simple Equation underscore. You can find them on Snapchat, um, Tinder. Uh, am I... Am, am I, am I Guys, Probably just the Google. best thing to do is just give them a call. Give them yes. a call at their offices in Las Vegas. Go consult with them um, or teleconsult with them. Uh, they're good dudes. They've got the whole setup, so check them out. Yes. I I ruin this ad read for Dan every week, and I don't know if he realizes <laughs> this or not, but I've taken it as a, as a personal challenge. So um, you're welcome. <laughs> well, good thing we have such great editors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really hope he leaves the Tinder one in there, though. <laughs> All right. Now, now, Zinger, Zinger, what what do you guys do for editing? Are you the man in the editing bay doing all of it? Unfortunately, yes, I am the man in the editing bay having to edit everything. And um, I mean, it would be nice if I had somebody who could do it for me. I could, I could spend more time doing more rewatches of the Meg or rereading the Meg series. Yes, I said series because there's more than one book. Oh, yes. Oh, the lore of the Meg is deep and um, cold or hot. Like like as deep as the Mariana Trench infested with (laughs) giant um, white, I mean, albino sharks. (laughs) Giant whale-eating sharks, yes. Yes. Well, um, Lee, now we have gone back um, your your beautiful beau, Yvonne, uh, provided us some information about the actual megalodon, like the real prehistoric shark that lived, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of years ago. Um, can you hit us with some of the bullet points from her research? Okay. So Yvonne went deep on, deep into the paint on this one. So... Let's start with how we know that the meg the megalodon existed. Generally, sharks don't create fossils. And that's because most of their body is made up of collagen. 
um, which is the basically connective tissue. It's very similar to, well, it is what your nose is made of. Um, so that yeah, breaks yeah. down. Yeah, cartilage, very, cartilage, yeah. Yeah, um, that breaks down very quickly, unlike skeletons. So they do not have typically large skeletons, um, if a, if a skeleton exists. But what does happen is their teeth. Sharks' teeth fall out all the time. Um, Megalodon was no exception. Uh, they would lose a tooth and grow one right back in. So, so Lee, um, there isn't like a giant Megalodon skeleton in the museum. There's just like the teeth maybe mounted into like a replica of how big they think the jaw would be. That sort of thing. Yeah, um, because they didn't really have bones, uh, that's exactly it. Uh, the teeth survived long enough to become fossilized, whereas the shark, I guess, collagen skeleton would decompose too quickly for that to occur. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so and also, um, something I read in the books, Zinger, and I think you might remember this, mm-hmm. uh, sharks sink. Uh, when they die. Yeah. They're, they, they're not something that floats. They don't have a swim bladder. I mean, they don't have... Um, they, they don't retain ox... Sorry. The books actually have real science and then fictional science in them. So I'm trying to remember which is which. Um, yeah. But evidently, no, I mean, they, this is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of the time you don't find sharks floating when they die. They sink straight to the bottom. Um yeah. Uh, normally with sharks, um, also, I mean, both, of course, prehistoric ones like the Megalodon and, of course, current ones, the teeth are the only thing that really are the only thing that survive because they are like actual bone, whereas the rest of their body is, as of course said, made up of something that does deteriorate a lot quicker and doesn't really leave behind stuff. A few spinal, co- I mean, uh, backbones, I was about to say spinal bones, but yeah, back backbones have been found, which is very rare. But it's not as common. Um, one of my favorite museums to go to uh, down near my my uh, so my family lives in South Carolina at the it's I cannot remember what it's called but it's a, outside of Columbia, and they have a giant replica of a megalodon there, and they have I've seen replicas of the skeleton too. I I off the books love megalodon as a as a creature and everything so. In fact, I found that there was movies, books, all this stuff made for it. It just made my day. So um, I loved going there because uh, South Carolina is a huge hotspot for finding teeth and everything. I've wanted to go on an expedition and actually find one of the teeth and be able to be like, I found this. Virginia is too, so maybe I should just go over to the Chesapeake Bay area and check it out and get some. But no, it's, I mean, these these creatures grew to sizes, I mean, um, around about 30 to four, 34 feet was like an average but they could get up to 75, sorry, not 75, that's the one from the books, uh, 47 to 52 feet in length. Yeah, evidently they find these teeth all over the southeast here, Georgia, all over. So, um, you know, cool. I need to to make a trip to go find some. It it is like the thing I want to get. Dude, that would be a sweet find. That would be pretty sweet. Lee, what else have you got for us, my man? So, um... Zinger was throwing out some facts there for us, but let's go back into um, what when Megalodon existed. Uh, the earliest records they found of Megalodon currently is about 20 million years ago. Um, they're believed to have gone extinct 
um, as little as 3.6 million years ago. Big thing there. Believed to have gone extinct. Maybe still be around. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, hint, hint. Yes. Um, in the Marianas <laughs> Trench. Very, very positive. Right, right, right. So You got it. It's <laughs> estimated that they could have grown up to 60 feet in length, um, but typically the larger ones were in the range of 50 feet. Um, and since there are no skeletons, all of this information is based on the teeth. Um, the teeth are around seven inches long. They had to mm-hmm. eat a huge amount of food. Um, their jaws opened almost 11 feet across, and their bite force would have roughly been um, 100 times the force of a human's bite. That so one- think about that when you... What, think about that post after you've eaten your your uh, Thanksgiving turkey is that they were biting with enough force to eat your entire Thanksgiving table, you and your entire family with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean... The, Without a second thought. These things... Um, so they opened their teeth so big um, because these are eating like whales was their preferred mm-hmm. diet. Um, and... It's crazy to think of an animal big enough to eat a whale, right, yep. uh, in the first place. Um, but you see, you know, killer whales are out there. Um, orcas, they'll take on maybe some, some baby whales every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're killers like that. So it's not unheard of. Um, I guess the idea, well, I think Lee has more in the facts about why they went extinct. And a lot of it has to do with their food. So... Why don't you keep reading, Lee, before we throw out too much stuff? So uh, why they died off, um, the, the, the believed, I guess the believed thought process is global cooling started around uh, two to three million years ago. And this drop in water temperature likely decreased the shark's habitat and in addition lessened the areas where they could give birth and also drops the amount of food um, that or larger um, food for larger predators. Um, so there was smaller stuff that was dying off as well, which did not allow the larger mammals and other things to survive. So essentially, it's a it's a drop of the entire food chain. the The temperature changes, and everything changes. Um, right. It. It basically throws the whole pecking order out of balance. Um, we've seen it before, and right. And pr- when you have when you have a predator as big an apex predator as the megalodon is, those changes get magnified up the food chain um, mm-hmm. until the meg is uh, one of the creatures to finally get it go extinct. Um, it's it's really interesting how these how these little changes over time can affect something uh, like this, an animal that you would think would just dominate evolution for forever. Um, But something as small as the temperature of the water um, is really what does it in. It's pretty crazy to think about. Yep. And what's crazy is it had so much effect on this, right? Not only did the temperature of the water decrease overall habitat, decrease spawning areas, I guess, and affected his food supply. That mm-hmm. it's a killer blow. <laughs> it's just yeah. What? It's it's not just one change. It's one change that precipitates other changes that the shark can't adapt to. Exactly. 
And when you get a, such a specialized predator as Megalodon, where it was focused on these bigger whales, which went to different environments, such as, you know, how whale, whales do migrate from hot, I mean, from warmer or colder climates during the year and everything now, that was something they didn't do as often back then because they didn't have that system set up. But when they started doing that, the Megalodon as a creature wasn't able to follow them, and that's why scientists think that that happened. Also, um, different predators came into the picture. Killer whales, as you mentioned earlier, was something that were a newer creature that was kind of in the mix, so that they became something that would also hunt that predator, I mean, the prey of the predator as well, and could do it more efficiently. So that's yeah, kind of um, what went was, into it. I, I thought I read something um, that the Meg liked uh, whales that were kind of like sperm whales, um, mm-hmm. larger it, carnivorous it animals. With, um, it competed with a um, type of sperm whale, the precursor to the one we have right now, that is the Leviathan. Um, why am I blanking on its actual name? Levi- it's Leviathan Melvier. Uh, for any mm-hmm. of you book people at home, the Melvier should be sounding familiar because it is a reference to the author of Moby Dick. So that's where they got the scientific oh. name for this creature from. It was a basically a precursor to the sperm whale and it was more of a apex predator and it competed directly with them and also was hunted by um, the megalodon and put a little pin in that creature by the way it ironically will come up later somehow Ooh, yeah that's a good one Zanger. um yeah no that's great especially because like uh these predatory whales um got smaller like orcas um, or like baleen whales became uh, more popular over time and they live in more extreme colder climates so they mm-hmm. weren't really good prey for the meg and so there you go it gets colder there's less energy there's less food a big animal like the meg just can't uh, sustain that exactly all right lee so what else do we have in the notes Okay, so we have discussed when they lived, right? Um, right. And what kind of killed them off. Let's talk about what we think may have happened to them. Um, so, yes, they may have gone extinct three and a half million years ago, give or take. Or did they? Dun, dun, dun. A documentary in 2014 from the Discovery Channel... I'm sorry, the correct word is mockumentary, claimed to have <laughs> evidence of a large shark, even larger than the Megalodon, still alive and hunting in modern times. Uh, they finally admitted at the end of the documentary that this was a piece of fiction. The worst part about that, I watched that one, and they had me convinced, right? Like, like, first of all, for me, when it comes to sea monsters, uh, I'm just like, yeah, probably exists because there's so little we know about the ocean, about the depths of the ocean. So little that I was like, you know what? They probably exist. And wait, 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 Lee, let me let me ask you a quick question, though. Remember, we did Bear Lake Monster. Yes. Probably exists. So. I have a different opinion of lake monsters than I do of of sea monsters. Oh, lake monsters. Oh, okay. It, there, there is a difference. <laughs> oh, I, I agree. Okay. Well, my my argument to that is, I, I haven't heard of very many lakes that we haven't been to the bottom of. 
right? But but it is a fair point, though. A lake, a much smaller ecosystem. So, okay, continue. Exactly. So when it comes to sea monsters, I'm like, eh. Um, I, okay, I won't say that I believe everyone, every one of them exists. What I will say is that I, I believe that there is more of a chance of them existing than, say, a wolf man or something like that, right? I won't, sure that. I won't say Bigfoot because I firmly, I, I have a stance on Bigfoot and I believe that he is interdimensional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so Bigfoot, definitely real. Lake monsters, probably. Wolfman, meh. <laughs> Wolfman, meh. Okay, I, okay. I think Wolfman reports are probably just misidentified Bigfoot reports. <laughs> oh, you know what? It, it checks out. <laughs> based based on your hierarchy, yeah, that actually does make a lot of sense. So, <laughs> so and in 2018, there was a movie that was a Jason Statham um vehicle. If, vehicle. If, yeah. if if I may, it is a another movie in the Jason J- Jason Statham story where Jason Statham plays Jason Statham in the Jason <laughs> Statham movie series. Basically, <laughs> any movie featuring Jason Statham is just him disguised as whoever he says he is in that movie. Hey. So I don't remember what the prior to or the other one is leading up to this, so I will check that out while you um, I inform us of other stuff involving this I, I think movie. I think right before that was like some of the Fast and Furious movies. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, I would uh, like so to point after out... He, after the fate of the Furious, he had no choice but to go undercover as Jonas Taylor, shark <laughs> expert and um, dive expert. And then after he dealt with a shark, he had to go Fast Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. So... Um, I, yeah. I do have to mention uh, by, by, one by thing. By the way, I love Jason Statham, by the way, on a completely separate note. I just love making fun of it, though. Hey, do you remember that time when he went back in time and uh, and saved a king? He did, he did something in the, the name of the king. In the na- <laughs> oh, wait, isn't that based on um, Dungeons and Dragons? Loosely? Yeah, that's like a D&D movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was no, re- Dungeon Siege. It's Dungeon Siege. I. Oh, game. see, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I remember its build as that on the on the box, yes. like a dungeon yes. siege movie starring Jason Statham. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, I feel like that was this. And, and okay. oh, by by the way, fun one that a lot of people um, forget he's in the one with. Uh, oh yeah, with yeah, with Jet, with, Lee? With Jet Li. He yeah, has hair and everything. Movie. Also, Snatch is oh, always yeah. a good movie. Dude, Snatch is. His his PS de resistance. I, I say the Meg is, but that's a different thing. <laughs> um. Anyways, before yes, we get too deep on. into into the Meg movie, I think we should take a quick break to hear a little from our friends at Fourth Hand. Hey, you guys. A very Brady podcast. Join host Tack Van Sickle and his guest each week as they hilariously dissect the iconic TV show, The Brady Bunch, one episode at a time. He was so creepy, though. 
Like I was like, I he's like, I guarantee you, if they could have really done the show the way they want to do it, like he was gonna have a cup to the door, listening in that night. <laughs> in their room. A look back at a simpler time where everything was groovy. <laughs> so her kids almost wrecked their marriage. Her employee shames her, and she like thanks both of them. It's awesome. So grab your potato sack and head out to the backyard for some fun. She's in her own room. Like, what did we like, tell what? her about sleeping? <laughs> like they went and got the entire family for dad to pick her up and put her in her bed two feet away from the desk. And obviously before they did that, they also said, family, go get your bathrobes. Everyone needs to be in a bathroom. A Very Brady Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere podcasts are available. They have some compromising pictures of Alice that they could have used uh, to blackmail her and keep her there. Um, I've seen those pictures, and Alice is hotter than you think. I'm going to just put that out there and say it. Uh, that blue dress doesn't do justice? Uh, no, it does. For, for me, that blue dress does everything. Far out! Poor You're man, a bad man, Tack. You're a bad human. There's a lot of weird in this show. We're back. Guys, we've been discussing the Megalodon, giant prehistoric shark that roamed our oceans back yes, in the and, day. And we're here with Zinger from Zing This. Um, now, we just talked a little bit, Zinger, about how the the Meg could still exist in this day and age. Um and how it's been portrayed in some mockumentaries and films. Mm-hmm. So how does the Meg still survive in the Meg movie? Like, how does this prehistoric fish survive to fight Jason Statham in the first place? He doesn't punch anyone in that movie. It's weird. Um, does he punch the shark? No, and, and you, you, you kind of expect... I don't, he sort of shoves the like this thing into its eye, but I mean, it's not a... If he doesn't punch it, he's short, it's like a push-shove, so it doesn't count. You um, know what would have been better? If the shark had punched Jason Statham. Yeah, <laughs> just curled up its fin, punched him. Um, yeah. So, in the movie, it's hypothesized that we don't know where the bottom of the Mariana Trench is. We think we know where it is, but there's like an endothermic layer... And under that, thanks to ocean vents and all that stuff, is like a completely more tropical water. So when they go to explore it, what do they find down there? A megalodon. And then they find another megalodon. Shocker. There's multiple megalodons, even bigger than the other one. So they find a 75-foot megalodon. It basically wreaks havoc, attacks everything, um, kills Rain Wilson. You know, everyone cheers. Jason Statham defeats it. Yay. And everyone goes home. Yeah. the side note to this, and I didn't know this, this ingenious movie was based on a more ingenious series of books. And I say series because there's more than one. Yes. And when I say there's more than one, there is more than one that also have a tie-in from another set of books written by the author. So that is, so I will now drop some knowledge on you all that might shock and awe you. The first <laughs> movie... I mean, the, sorry, they're supposed to be making a sequel movie, so that's why I say first movie. The first book is Meg, A Novel of Deep Terror. came out in 97, and it's it's a good book. We'll, we'll get into it. The follow-up was The Trench. Then there was Meg, Primal Water, Meg, Hell's Aquarium, Meg, Night Stalker, 
and then Meg Generations. Now, I'm sure you people counting (laughs) at home are like, that's six books, and you're correct with a seventh book coming out next year. Um, As a quick side note, though, side note, there is a series of books that actually ties in and exist in the same universe because they share characters. That is the Lock series. And if you're sitting there going, you mean like Loch Ness? Yes, you are correct. Loch Ness. Where it shares the same universe because characters cross over. And that has two books with a third one on the way. What? I didn't know it was a whole universe singer. Yep. There there is my bomb drop for today. Is In between, I think it's... Okay. I'm going to double check this real quick because I'm like almost sure about this but you know what on, on a on a thing where we're this factually accurate i'd like to continue that so by all means if you want to jump okay, in real okay. quick no yeah because um you had mentioned the book series um when i approached you with the meg idea um <laughs> and i was like no way so i went to audible i listened to the first book um sure as shit yeah, there it's a real thing. Um, all these books are real. I didn't know about the shared universe till just now. That's awesome. But um, the book is even crazier than the movies. Um, but the the author Steve Alton was really into how could the Meg still exist, mm-hmm. um, and his theories um, and the book became the basis for this Jason Statham movie. And, I I mean, it's crazy that the Discovery Channel is out there hawking it, too, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) Like, people love it. It's a giant shark. Like, that's really, really cool. Um, (laughs) Whether it still lives or not, well, you know, that's That's not... That's a different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, The Lock and its sequel, Vostog, are prequels to the Meg Night Stalker book which is important because one of the characters does cross over and uh, I'm not going to uh. super get into Volstog too much because um, one, that book takes a complete detour that is talked about in Night Stalkers. But on a side note, if you do want to uh, check out these books, you can of course use, sorry to do this to you guys, but I'm going to do a promo real quick. Use uh audibletrial.com slash Zignis. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah you, you can check out these books because um, a lot of these books are were free and included with the um, Audible Plus, which is part of your membership. So I only had to actually, I think, purchase the first two books, and then the rest of them were included. That's also how I've audiobooked all these books, too. So definitely check them out. But, um, yeah, nothing but yes. better than free, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, yeah, so that's the Meg series, and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of discussion of this crazy series of books because like i said i i was like when when i found out there was a series i my mind was blown then that there was a crossed over shared universe i was like what 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 so now lee you saw the meg movie right uh no (laughs) really no. He's saving it up so he can get all the information from this episode to then go watch it in its true form of knowing the difference between that and the book. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So you're you're like our guinea pig, Lee. Uh, apparently. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you tell me when you okay, you tell me if this stuff is like 
if you think this is part of this book universe or you think I'm making it up. Oh, I like it. Okay. 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 So, um, let's start with uh, 75 foot albino. Albino. Megalodon. Movie. Book. Book. Okay. Yeah. Uh, strange thing. <laughs> the movie, and this is interesting. This is super interesting because it gives a great, he does a good job of explaining in the books a lot of stuff. Also, side note real quick. Don't read the books back to back because each of the books has like a flashback or an ex- explanation. So if you're reading them back to back to back, there's like two or three chapters in each book that are just flashbacks to re-explain stuff. So for me, that killed me every time. because I'm like, I just read yeah. this. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. in the books, it's explained that since the Megalodons moved to the Mariana Trench and they were like, you know, under that, you know, thermocline and everything they didn't need to like color wasn't a thing like they need to pigment wasn't a thing they need to have so they evolved to have no pigment at least this these megalodons that are featured in the books because in generations which is the sixth book they come across not some more megalodons that are apparently hidden as well but bum, they bum, are bum. not albinos so that's interesting. They also glow too and are not fans of sunlight because of the fact that since they've lived in the dark, their eyes cannot adjust the sunlight. So they only really hunt at night. And when they do, there's this ghostly glow on the water when it's swimming near because of it having the, of course, reflect, I mean, the um, bioluminescence, which would have been awesome in the movie. But they didn't use right. it, so I now, don't know. Now, here's here's the question: Why didn't they? I don't know. I don't know. I wish they did. It would have made a, would it would have made a great, like, awesome, like scenes in the movie. I think, but they didn't use it. So, um, all right. So, Lee, you you, you ready for for next one up? Okay, here we go. Eels. Giant eels are what's in Loch Ness. Book. Correct. The lock book explains the Loch Ness Monster as a giant eel that got trapped there because they used to be able to go in and out and they would migrate to the Sargasso Sea, which is in the middle of the Atlantic, to breed. Then when they came back, they'd go to Loch Ness. But since one of them got stuck there, it just grew exponentially because after eels breed, they die. So that's how the lock gets brought in and it explains that scientifically and there's a ton of other stuff that gets explained. Um... That's where I got the doctorate from we were talking about earlier. But according to one of the things I'm reading, it does say that Jonas Taylor is also a doctor, too. Very so, interesting. So Jonas random stuff there. <laughs> as portrayed by Jason Statham. Yeah, so, yeah, so well. Jason Statham um, as a doctor. Um, <laughs> book or movie, paleobiology. Exactly. Um, let's see here. Um, are you familiar with the um, sea reptile Chronosaurus? It basically looks like that... Um, like flippers on each side, not not a long neck, but like an alligator head. Those adapting to live in the deep of the Mariana Trench and growing gills to be able to stay underwater. Oh, is this a, my next level of yeah. my test? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is this me making it up, movie or book? Book. Are you sure on that? Okay, movie. You sure on that? Are you just making this crap up at this point? Am I? 
do you think that a extinct reptile exists down in the Mariana Trends in the world of this book that is hunted and competes with the Megalodon? Yes. And a air-breathing creature that now grew gills so it could stay down there. Um, since everything about this has just gotten crazier and crazier, I'm going to say yes. Yes, that is a thing featured in the second book of the series, <laughs> The Trench. Yes, oh. there are living prehistoric creatures that also exist down there. Like, basically, if you ever watch, like, Walking with Dinosaurs, yeah, there, there's a reference to the 90s. Um, yeah, if they showed you something in the water, they exist in the book's world. Like, the later books are a, um, are a, oh my gosh, someone from, um, it's not Qatar. Yeah, um, Dubai. It's a millionaire from Dubai trying to hunt and capture these to put in an aquarium. Yes. Okay. 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 Okay, Wait, am I making that up? Is that in the movie or is that (laughs) one of the books? One of the books. Yes, it is. That is that. I mean, like I said, he does a great job of being like scientifically real within the world, but then going completely out the window with crazy stuff. With this. Yes, I love it. The premise of these books is is great and it's so good for a movie, but it is really weird. Some of the differences um, like in the movie. Um, oh, no, wait, 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 wait. I know you're about to say something, but I want to see if Lee thinks it's the book, the movie or we're making it up. <laughs> okay. Well, you're, you're, uh, I was going to say, I was going to say they use uh like uh giant bioluminescent squid. Yeah. Okay. Never, never mind. Never mind. Right. Um, which seems like something that could be real. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and these, they, they exist in this trench and you're like, okay, yeah, maybe sure. Um, but then, like, when the shark comes up, they don't use the, the albinism, Yeah, right? they, they, they don't have any of that. And like I, I said, I don't get why they don't do that. It would have been cool to see in the movie. I think they're just trying to relate it to uh, a broader audience who are more familiar with, like, a great but, white But what shark. would one line, what would one line of dialogue be of, oh, well, they, it, since it's been down? Because, I mean, that's basically what the book does. It explains it away real quick as... Oh yeah, by the way, um they're bioluminescent and albinos right. they I, live down there. I, Even though in I later think, books they run into other megalodons that have like tiger stripes on them. I think the the white shark was a great move cuz it's a giant white fish um and it's just like very Moby Dick and you're like, yeah, "Okay, yeah. yeah, like let's do it." Oh, um, by the way, so, remember how I put that pin in over there real quick? That that, that little pin on that Oh um, yeah. That that the, the, the Viathan Melvier. So in the shared universe, when it, when the one character from the lock is in Volstag and they dive under the ice and go, actually this is also in the um the Meg as well because there is a crossover part in there. Um, they run into those those giant wow. sperm whales. <gasps> oh, All right, wow. Lee, I got I got one for you. All right, so Jonas Taylor played in the movie by Jason Statham, but don't, maybe talking about, maybe not, gets swallowed on purpose by the Meg, ejects himself from the sub he's in, uses a Megalodon tooth to cut through the stomach lining, 
and go after and stab the heart of the Megalodon that he has been swallowed by. Book, movie, or did I make it up? I feel like that's a very Jason Statham way of winning a fight, right? But I'm going to have to say book. You are correct. Why was that not in a movie? Right. You have Jason Statham. That's what I was going for. That's what I was going for. So I would argue that all of this is because Jason Statham was like, yeah, nah, fuck that. <laughs> probably, probably. I mean, why why else would you not do this giant Oh, well, I guess maybe they were like how are we going to shoot like him inside this fish? You get what I mean? He puts on yeah. a GoPro. And it's his, <laughs> his point of view like they did in Doom. <laughs> Perfect. Which, which would just get all covered in blood instantly, and you wouldn't see anything. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. It was. Um, it was such a crazy scene when I listened to it uh, from the book, and I thought, "Oh my god, why didn't they do this?" Exactly. Uh, I w- I was totally with you, Zinger. But now, when I'm thinking about it, like, how would you shoot that? Like, how would you display that in a visual medium? Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure how you'd do it. You just show him get swallowed by the... You don't show it. And the shark you dies see, off screen? And, and the shark dies all of a sudden. You stomach? see him come out, like, covered in blood, holding its heart with, like, a tooth stuck in it. And it's you, like... You, well, you know, you could have shown Jason Statham in the stomach. Like, yeah. that would have worked. Um, and you could show him cut through and, like, get into the shark. Um, See, and then, like, and And then, oh, just, like, when he swims to the surface after he escapes the shark, he could, like, swim out with the shark's heart. Yeah, tore it out. He doesn't tear it out in the book, but I, I think that's the only way to show that he killed it. Yeah, in, right. In, in our fictional better movie that we have made. Right, right. Now it's already better because, like, we saw him pull the heart out of this shark. All right. So I have given you guys a few deep end moments of living prehistoric creatures, um, living prehistoric creatures under the ice in Antarctica, um, Megalodon sharks and stuff. Do you want me to go off the real deep end where I had to stop these, like listening to these for a minute and go, what the heck? Wait, it gets crazier. Yes, it does. And I don't think you're going to understand how crazy it gets. So remember I said there's a side story with the Lock series? Uh-huh. That yeah. ties in. Are we going into Hollow Earth? Can we pl- uh, do no, we get to go? Mike. Okay. Okay. I'm going to brief over this real quick. Oh, okay. Cuz cuz it's it, and just follow me. I I, I guess if, if anyone wants to, wants to ding a bell and they tap out on on your bullshit meter, go ahead. Hit us with it. All right, t- all right. Like I said, ring the bell when when you're like, no, this you're you're making this up, or this is too loony to be a thing. All right, so we gotta go to the side story real quick because the side story is where you gotta establish all the crap that you can then throw into the main story and have everyone be on board for it. I mean, they uh-huh. they've, they've done this with other stuff. So, so as I said, he wrote a series, another series that takes place in the same world. This is the Lock series. The follow-up to it is called Volstag, which I don't know if you 
If anyone's familiar with it, Volstagg is an actual place in Antarctica. It is a Russian-run um, facility over a lake by the same name that has been, like, cut off from the world for, like... Right, right, yeah. yes. Well, okay. in the books, they drill down into that. And the character from the lock goes down there because they're, they want to bring somebody who's a marine biology expert, this, that, and the other. Well, he goes down there and everything and discovers that there's an alien ship buried under the ice in Antarctica. <laughs> and that the government, not just the government, but Majestic 12 had sent him there. Two reasons. Okay, okay, okay. One, one, one. Okay, we, we, got, we got one. One Bring going in the bell, out. guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. All right. So, this alien entity or whatever this thing is allows him to, like, basically. If you ever played a video game and you get to a save point, you're like, I'm going to save here. I'm going to try something dumb and see if it works. If it does, I'll continue my game. If not, I'll just go back to my save. Yes. Uh -huh. It allows him to do that very thing of trying to get out from under the ice of Antarctica. And what he eventually does is jumps into the future far enough. Like, like he gets out, but goes into the future, knows how to make free energy, but then the Majestic 12 do not allow it to happen and stage an alien attack at the Washington Monument after they're celebrating everyone having free energy. So then he jumps back to his old save file, but then jumps even further back to when they try to enlist him to go to Vostok and refuses to go. But it establishes that in this universe, not only is there Majestic 12, but there are Nordics, there are actual legitimate aliens, there is free uh, zero-point energy, and he's allowed to retain all of his memories from all those other experiences. Wow. So he he then in Night Stalkers goes and helps Jonas because he knows that his son's going to die because in his reality his son died so he goes to help Jonas to avoid that happening. And in the Meg books they call him out on how he knows all this stuff and explains all that to them and they take it at face value and just go on with their day. <laughs> Luckily enough Generations kind of ignores that and just has a giant underwater snake attack and eat somebody. Wow. And that's how the book ends. Wow. One of the characters is sitting there. Snake comes out, swallows him, swims away, and the book ends at that point. Wow. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that is, that is the peak of the BS meter. That is as far as we could go. I, uh. I legitimately was like, okay, I'm going to read this side story. Oh, cool. I love Loch Ness. Oh, cool. I'm like, the crap am I listening to? What is going on? He does have another book that I could not even get into called um, Undis Undisclosed, which is apparently about UFOs and everything like that. Ooh. That one is free on Audible. I got five minutes into it. It was like, nope. I can't do it. And, and I'm out. And I love <laughs> UFOs and stuff like this. I loved all oh. this stuff. But if you throw that at me after introducing me to prehistoric creatures, um, living sharks and all this other crazy stuff i'm like okay i have to ring the bell at some point of this only so crazy. much disbelief can be suspended so so but yes so if you want the side story on that go ahead and read those other two there is another book in the lock series coming out that does feature the same main character so i'm like interesting that's so awesome, we'll see dude. we'll see 
Um, so, so Lee, we have gone, we've gone crazy. We've gotten aliens in mixed majestic in with 12. our sea monsters riding, yes. riding Megs. That doesn't happen. Okay. But I mean, if I, <laughs> I can just say it, and you'll believe me. <laughs> Only um, if it's Abraham Lincoln riding the Megalodon. Oh no, he's still frozen. Okay, he's gonna come out here pretty soon, though. Yeah, and hunt vampires. Yeah, yeah, good. and we've got we've got Jason Statham punching everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, how much crazier do you think this could get, Lee? If you were gonna add some more crazy to it, what would you put in? I love. Oh. It. He's probably gonna say something. I'm gonna be like, actually, I forgot to mention that's in one of the books. <laughs> So go uh, ahead. <laughs> Let's play this game. Okay. So first of all, um, this extended like connected universe in a book series um, sounds very similar to a, a author that I, I've listened to and, and read, a, which is Scott Sigler. Scott Sigler has all of his books are interconnected in one way or another. Um, and they're all in the same universe. Every book is just kind of crazy. So let's say I'm, I'm going to steal something from Scott Sigler. And let's say um, uh, Alien Football League, where aliens, humans, and um, evolved humans that were evolved to. Uh, wow, he's not joking. There is a thing by him called Galactic Football League. No, I wasn't messing with you. Like <laughs> I, I thought you were. Wow. That's like eight wow. books. It, <laughs> aliens, humans, and evolved humans. Uh, these evolved humans aren't like evolved like they're smarter than us, really. No, um, they grew. They they basically evolved. Um, they like we colonized a heavy gravi- gravity planet, and we evolved um, to have more muscular uh, limbs right, and bodies. Right. So, so using science to discredit science. Got it. <laughs> yep. Perfect. That is, uh, that is good stuff. Lee. Well, was um, that in that book? No, sadly. No. <laughs> oh, what about an alien the, the, that embeds itself under your, under the skin and, uh, um, basically forms a symbiotic relationship with the person. I mean, None of the sharks do that yet, but okay. I don't know. I mean, we got we, we got Purgatory coming out, which is the next book in the series, so there's a chance. <laughs> Very cool. Well, um, guys, let's take one more quick break. We'll come back, and we'll talk a little bit about the differences between the book and the movie, um, our issues, because I got some issues with this film that I got to bring up. The shark need um, to be bigger there, Flora? <laughs> oh no no there th- i get more political because i'm crazy uh. like that um so just wait um we're gonna we're gonna go deep dive on the meg and then lee's gonna bring it back um and explain to us with real science um how we're all wrong and the meg is still uh alive and existing in the ocean today tune in for that after this quick break I don't know about this, man. It seems wrong. Dude, don't even worry about it. I mean, I've got it all figured out. We'll have him back before John and Brent even know he's gone. Everything's going to be okay. All right, man? Let's just start the promo and get it over with. 
What are you two jackasses doing? The Inhuman Experience is a weekly, not-so-typical paranormal nerdcast where we attempt to explore the strange and the unexplained. And we borrowed Conspiracy Bot in the hopes that some of that Hysteria 51 juju would rub off on us. But boy, were we mistaken. I thought nerds were smart. You guys are two of the dumbest meat sacks I've ever had the displeasure of conversing with. See, that's why I don't like robots. Racist. I will poke out your good eye. Blades, get him. Listen, my name is Bobby Anthem. His name is Bobby Blades. We are the Inhuman Experience. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, I don't know, Commodore 64, Easy Bake Oven, pretty much wherever you're hearing this right now. Whatever. I can't believe John and Brent let these two jackasses on fourth hand. All right, we are back. Lee, we have been talking about the Meg, the movies and the book. Um, and the creature. Right, and the real uh, actual prehistoric fish. Um, lots of cool stuff. Um, Lee, you you haven't read uh, these these books or movies or seen the movies um but you do know a little bit about the real fish yes thanks to my lovely girlfriend i do know a little bit about the real fish shout out to yvonne for informing lee about uh this giant fish um and how it could still exist um but the really the book and the movies are like the best place for people to come in and like learn about these theories about how it could still exist um and you know what if if it gets people into it into like marine biology or paleobiology or whatever like awesome um even though it's not it at all really grounded in any science <laughs> it, it's it's grounded it just takes a tippity toe into science and then <laughs> leaps off into the atmosphere Right, it it does mix in some real science, which is very interesting when it does. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's kind of get into some of the differences, Zinger, and it starts right off the bat. I mean, right off the bat with uh, the character of Jonas Taylor. Yeah, well, Jonas Taylor is black in the book, and he's um, Jason Statham <laughs> in the movie, right? Close, close, <laughs> very close. Um, I mean, it is kind of presented in the later books that um, that Jonas Taylor is like kind of an adrenaline junkie uh-huh. to an extent. Like he doesn't come out and say it, but it's very obvious. He keeps on putting himself in between a giant shark and everything else. So it's like, well, what else are you? Right. So I mean, I, I guess Jason Statham is acceptable to an extent, but yeah, I never so, envisioned him as Jason Statham. No, definitely not. <laughs> Um, in the books, he like it starts off. He's like giving a lecture. He's professorial, um, yes. and yeah, he he used to be a deep sea diver, which the Jonas Taylor of the movie is, and um, college football player. Right, but in the books, yeah, he in the books he used to be a college football player. He used to be a deep sea diver, um, but now he's like a professor, um, and he's not nearly as cool as he used to be. <laughs> Which I think would have been a great arc if Jason Taylor, or, or, or <laughs> yes, if Jason Taylor Statham, if Jason Statham had started the movie, not cool. Could you imagine that? I I would love to see the character of um of 
Jonas Statham um, <laughs> <laughs> portray. I, I, I don't. Okay. There are certain leaps the book takes for me to believe that Jason Statham is like a accredited professor. Oh, I'm not saying what? anything negative about him. It's just, it's, it's hard to take. It's, it's a hard pill to swallow. I don't okay. think Zinger. he has Zinger. to be a professor, Zinger. I don't think he has to be a professor. He just has to be not cool. Can okay. you like, see him in a knit shirt with those elbow pads? Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. I, yes, I could. I know yes, where I you guys are going with this. And the only possible way to make Jason Statham not cool is to give him suspenders, a bow tie, and like, you guys ever seen Urkel? Like, just... Urkel him out, like 100%. You know what? You know what? I'm not sure if that is really going to do it, Lee, but I do have an idea of a way he could be less cool. I'm going to throw this out there right now. Put him next to the rock. Give him a fat girlfriend. Give him a fat girlfriend. Wow. (laughs) Um, I was going to say have him grow his hair out. That's going to work on a movie. That's going to work in a movie, though. But but the thing is in the in the book he doesn't he like has like some ex isn't she like an ex model or something? Yeah yeah his his wife's like a model super key, hot keyword is, is their ex model ex model. Yeah. Well no she she she's just not a model anymore because she wanted to do more and she became a reporter. Yeah 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 TV reporter. Yes no tan not lines an actual by the reporter, way no tan TV lines reporter. no tan lines by the way <laughs> yeah. that is pointed out. Yeah. At nauseum. <laughs> yes. So the, again, so the whole character of the book, um, all the side characters are completely different in mm-hmm. the book and the movie. Um, in the book, uh, Jonas Taylor's love interest, uh, the who becomes his love interest, is set up to be his love interest, is a uh, Japanese gal. Mm-hmm. But in the movie zinger. They changed it to Chinese, and there's a reason for this. If yeah, you just is. look at the movie aspect of it, yeah, there is. Um, and this is this is my biggest beef with the movie. Um, I very much dislike modern American films that pander to Chinese audiences. I. See your point. I hear you. But I mean, movie's gonna movie. And <laughs> I think the only way for this movie to have movied was for them to pander to that audience. Oh, that is actually distinctly possible. That is a very good point that you make. Um, because another thing is, like, they don't have Jaws. They, they didn't get Jaws, technically. Uh-huh. So this is their version of a shark movie. Oh, and and the thing is, I mean, it does it take away from the movie? No. Does it take away change stuff from the books? Yes, but it's I, you know, I'm I'm not sure, Zinger. I am not sure that it doesn't take away from the movie. The the lady who is cast as his love interest, mm-hmm. not really that great. I mean, is listen it, here, okay. listen here. Okay. Jackie okay. Chan is okay. doing his best. <laughs> to, to what? He Just can't carry be everybody. He cannot be. He was the ev- shark. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the thing: I don't think there, and I think I've argued this on other numerous other podcasts I've discussed this on. 
I don't think they're it's presented as a true love interest. They don't really like kiss or do they just, they just look fondly at each other all the time. Uh, and well, I think that's that's them establishing a female, an independent female character within the movie. Is that her character exists outside of a man, I guess. Even though she has that awkward scene where she just watches him, like, get out of the shower and just stares at him right, for a while. Right, yeah. But, weird. I mean, it's um, Jason Statham, so... I mean, yeah, I, mean <laughs> I mean, I'd look. I'd look. <laughs> so, but, I, I like, don't think... I, I, I don't accept her as a love interest. I just think that there are two people that are just hanging out together. I, I honestly in, just in, don't in think the she's that good of the movie. I, I just uh, don't think she's that good. Period. Okay, you're, you're, you're coming from an aspect of it's a giant shark movie. Rain Wilson is your villain. Yeah, very good point. Yeah. <laughs> when you're when you're a bad actor in a giant shark movie, I mean, I'm just saying. This this is a Hollywood blockbuster shark movie too. Terry Reed said I'm just going to throw no, that out Michael there. Michael Keaton. Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine who who was in the Jaws movie and like said, "Oh, I've never seen the movie, but I've seen the like edition of the ha- of my house that it paid for like he didn't <laughs> right, care yeah that's true yeah that's a good point um, but there's just uh lee can you think of any other movies uh recently that uh skewed towards chinese audiences i actually got like five off the top of my head i want to see if lee could come up with one, one you got, my man i think does the opposite and it, it skews towards American audiences to a point where it ruins things. And actually, it's more Japanese. Um, the the Dragon Ball Z live action movie that they came Ugh, out with. Don't bring that up. Oh, stop. Oh, God. Gross. Or we said recent movies. Ghost in the Shell. Uh, well, again, that's Japanese, man. That's I know. Japanese. I've got nothing. Um, um, uh, all right, Zinger. Zinger. I know... Uh, Transformers. Yes, uh, I can't yes, remember which one it was. For. Dark of the Moon or whatever. What, whatever one where they're. Yeah. I okay. As a lover of Transformers, I've given up on the live action movies because I just don't care anymore. The best Transformers yeah. movie is the 1986 cartoon. Facts. Um, facts. D- true facts. Um, but <laughs> yes, that that that, that is one. Uh, I know they came out with that the Great Wall movie. Where it had yes. ran, yeah, that that's, but that's the thing. It's With the Matt next, Damon, Matt, yeah, Matt, yeah, Matt, Matt Damon's in it. Um, Mulan technically factored uh-huh. into that too, um, uh-huh. and that's the thing. the 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 movie industry is trying to pander to a very large market that's quintessentially untapped. So I understand why they're doing it. Does that change anything with Dark of the Moon? No, it's a Michael Bay movie. Stuff will explode. He's just doing it in other places. <laughs> right, right. Um, He's just doing I, it in, like, Shanghai now. Oh, Shanghai, yeah. explode. Yeah, Um. the The thing with um having Matt, Matt Day, it's having big-named actors to get American audiences, but to also for the Chinese or the Asian market to have big-named actors in those movies instead of them just... Because, I mean, that movie could have just been made overseas and not featured any right. American actors, but it's cool to have... Oh, American actor in here. Like I said, I understand where, where you're coming from. But at the same time, my thing is, hey, I just like watching movies. Pacific <laughs> Rim. Get, Pacific I, Rim is one. Pacific yeah, Rim is bit. the best movie ever made, and I do not get to talk about that movie enough. 
I, don't I, get me started. We were we were wrapping this up, and you might have just added ooh. two hours. No, no, no. Because I don't. No, I just want to say out, how out of two hundred and some episodes of Zingness, I don't think we've done a Pacific Rim episode, and I have the right to forget if we've done episodes on stuff because we've done too many episodes. <laughs> um, I'm just saying yeah. it. It's an American film set in China. Yeah. Okay. So a also, good, a good point that Zinger has, like, would a movie like The Meg get made if it didn't have some Chinese money behind it? Uh, probably no. not. Probably not. No, I would say no because everyone would be like, oh, it's just Jaws. It's just a Jaws ripoff. It's just a Jaws ripoff. And it's like, it isn't, yeah. it isn't because Jaws is amazing because of Steven Spielberg. The book exists because, yeah, fun fact, Jaws is based on a book. The right. book is just a ton of terrible people with shark attacks around them. They're all awful. The the movie humanized them. <laughs> right, so, makes people likable. Uh, yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, no, none point. of them are supposed to be likable. I think in the book, I don't think you're. <laughs> I think you're supposed to root for the shark. <laughs> so, uh, spoiler alert! I always root point. for the shark. You as you should, as you should. Also, <laughs> um, controversial opinion. Gonna throw it out of here. I feel um, Pacific Rim's just Street Fighter the the movie, and I say that because everyone is the most stereotypical version of whatever place they are from, <laughs> and their robots yeah. are even more so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not also wrong. True. You're not wrong. Oh. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, it's it's so true. But like, I just the problem is that okay. a lot of these movies that are made with the Chinese money um, just aren't that good, right, in terms of the story. Um, and, like, you Great saying... Wall? Like, what? where's the story? Like That had monsters you know. in it, I think, or something. Right, yeah. yeah. No, like, fighting dragons or something. Matt, Never Matt seen it. Damon fights monsters, right? Hey, it had yeah. some great um, wire work. Um, you know, they're fighting, like, dragon monster things. And uh, I did watch this movie, by the way. Um, you watched this and did not watch the Meg. Okay, hey guys, I'm not really a shark guy. I really don't like sharks or or like. But you're a Jason Statham guy. I am a Jason Statham guy. I know that because you are a guy, and every guy <laughs> is a Jason Statham guy. <laughs> I figured you'd be able to say that because I knew about In the Name of the King, which nobody would have watched if Jason Statham wasn't in it. That I don't think anyone <laughs> watched it with Jason Statham in it. Oh, I watched it. <laughs> you oh, and man. and the people who were like at the premiere. <laughs> right. Uh, Guys, we sold one ticket. <laughs> I'm just sitting oh, there like, man, these theaters. lines aren't very long for a premiere. That's pretty good. <laughs> watch that on DVD. Um, but yeah, I just the the movies aren't that great. The stories aren't that great. Um, I think these Chinese audiences are getting shortchanged by the movies that are being allowed into China. Um, mm -hmm. Like, oh God, imagine if the if this movie, The Meg, was your Jaws, and you didn't have Jaws. <sighs> this is complicated. I don't know how to respond right. to this. What I'm telling you, American movie companies. Are are you making China culturally bankrupt by feeding them crap? 
Okay, first of all, China is our competition in the world stage, so let's go ahead and make them a little bit bankrupt. Number one. In in their defense, the Chinese do pay for this. Like, they love it. I don't know why, but they do. Number two, the, the major positive out of that is it would turn Sharknado into the second best shark movie. <laughs> I just, Do we really want Tara Reid to be part of the second best anything? <laughs> she's part of the second best comedy. Um, well, she's in the first best Van Wilder movie, so there. That's true. I, it's disturbing that we have to put on the first best as opposed to the Van Wilder movie. It should just be the sentence, the Van Wilder movie, not the... Best Van Van Wilder movie. That is a singular thing. I don't understand why we had the Rise of Taj your freshman year. Why you do know I know I... both those movies perfectly <laughs> off the top of my head? Honestly, I want to go back now and watch Rise of Taj just to see like the Asian stereotypes in it. God. The, uh, the worst just, part was so... the the other two were awful. Like just the one was good. <laughs> Like how does that move? How is that movie going to stand up to twenty twenty wokeness? Oh, <laughs> yeah, singer. yeah, it's not. It's not. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just like I say I just don't like these movies that are uh, targeted at the Chinese. I think that we can tell better stories. Uh, I think Chinese people have told better stories, like Chinese movies. Like, kung fu movies are better than a lot of this crap we're shipping to them. Crushing Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, Hero? Hero's a good one. Mm, yeah, that, that is a good one. Um, you know, all those old school Jackie Chan movies. Um, I mean, those are... I mean, there's some great stuff in there. The stunt work. Um, some of the storytelling. The Departed, based on a Chinese movie. Hard boiled. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Um, okay. It was, uh, I don't know, maybe something about him being undercover or something like that. But yeah, yeah. You, um, you mentioned Jackie Chan just a second ago and and his older work and all I could think about and it's all I've thought about for the last few minutes. Um, you've been talking, but all I've been hearing is uh, um, him, him in his like drunken fist movie where he's just like oh yeah that was one of my favorite movies of him where like he would just do practice drunken fist kung fu which i thought was cool genius um but like what what do we make for them right like oh uh here's mulan uh she isn't a girl who like found her inner strength no she's like been a superhero this whole time um, so here you go. Here's a superhero movie featuring ancient set in ancient China. I, I, I've got a bone to pick with that movie, but um, I'm sure we'll do a Zingness episode on it where I can just you really should you should it. do you should do a Mulan Mulan where you can do the animated one and the live action one together. We'll work Boo-boo-boo. on it because um, we have all refused to pay money for that movie, so we are waiting till it is free on Disney Plus. Oh yeah, that that's coming up. I think uh, it, at the end very of December. So yeah, so there very you go. soon, Boom. very soon. Um, um, I've I've already said it's the worst movie ever because it does not have a make make a man out of you montage. So um, 
I mean, it probably does, but it does not have the music with it because, I mean, we all know that's how you... I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that, that's how I became a man was singing that song and doing workouts. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> then one day you had, like, hair on your chest. Boom. Yeah, exactly. That, that's how happens. it happened. I woke up the next day and I was like, oh, it yeah. worked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's the puberty story of uh, men for everyone. You start out, out there, you start so you out know. like really, you know, high pitched, and and as you go through, you become much lower pitched. Yeah, by exactly. the end, yeah. you're speaking like this. Like, you're you're shaking right. the very mountains you are exercising in. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, wow! So guys, we've gone all over the map on this one. Um, but Lee, help us help us summarize this Meg show before we uh, call it off. Before uh, I start talking real... about Pacific Rim more, yeah. Since since you haven't watched the uh, the movies or read, are the books, you convinced to watch it and or read the books from this episode? Yes, yes. Tell I, us. I what may you think. I may pick up the audio books. Um, those sound a little bit interesting. Um, I'll I'll watch it. I'll probably watch it sometimes if I find it like free. Um, I probably would not pay money to watch it because I heard the Knights of the Round Table episode, right? Where two other people were just like, this movie was awful. And they're people well, I respect. Don't listen to them. But, well, here, here, I do, you shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't I, listen to them. You shouldn't respect them either. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, what, what David Flora gave me a cookie once. I respect that man, okay? Dang! Wow! Wow! I'm wearing his shirt right now that he gave me. Cause you can I, be you can be bought with cookies. That and shirts. That and shirts. He I, gave I like me a French magnet. I, I'm not going to say he has a great taste in movies, but although I, I do agree with him on this one, like the Meg's bad. <laughs> all, all right, there's three. There are three people that I respect. Dan, I'm not telling you I respect you. I'm just saying this for sake of the Excuse argument with Zinger. Excuse me. I was a Jeopardy champion. Continue, though. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hold on a second. Did he give you a blurry photo shirt or just hand you a shirt? Because there's a big difference between the two of those things happening. Because if he just handed you a shirt, I've got a few things to say then. No, he gave me a blurry photo shirt. <laughs> but I want it to be I, I, him I'm just sorry. handing me I'm a shirt. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just imagining it as that that old Coke commercial where it's got the one Steelers player who throws the kid. <laughs> mean Joe Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where, where it's, where it's I'm Laura like I'm like just kind of like hanging out like outside the venue, and he just like walks by. He's like, "Hey, kid, here." No, that would be mustache wax for for him. <laughs> No, he would have thrown you a shirt. You would have unfolded it and been like, this is a Hysteria 51 shirt, yeah, kid. <laughs> Just stolen off of their merch table. <laughs> and that's how Lee became a podcaster. Exactly. That's how I became a podcaster. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Oh my god! All right, I think that's the best way to end an episode. Me taking an aggressive dig at David and Derek. Awesome. Yes. Yes. (laughs) This has been this has been very awesome, Zinger. Tell the people where they can hear you. Oh well, you can hear me on the Zingness podcast uh, every Thursday, talking about some nerdy topic, whether it be me torturing more people by making them watch the Meg. 
or me torturing more people by making them watch the Meg. I don't understand. Like, <laughs> no, no, we, we, we do other topics, of course, other nerdy topics and other nerdy discussions. Uh, anything within the realm of pop culture, which the Meg well is well within the realm of pop culture because it's the ultimate summer movie. Um, so Just wait for go. the sequel. You can do them back to back. I, I can I can force people who I've already made watch this watch it again and bring them on so me and Ellie can just freak out over how amazing they are and they can be like I want my money back and my time back from this and I'll be like no you don't <laughs> but yeah you Very can find more funny. of us from Zing this and that's Z-E-N-G this um, we are also part of the fourth hand media network so nudge, very nudge, awesome hint, hint. thank you um, Zinger for coming on so, so yes, if, if, if thank you guys for having me. And if I ever do go somewhere and some kid's like, hey, man, how's it going? I'll throw him a Hysteria 51 t-shirt and be like, this isn't your podcast. And I'll be like, yeah, it's a better one. <laughs> I think I think Britain, Britain John should send all of his their fourth-hand people just like an assortment of shirts to give out to... <laughs> Listen, listen to this show. Is that your show? No, but you no. should. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> um, Way better. Very cool, guys. <laughs> you know, you know, we had a good conversation about the Meg, the movies, the books, the real live fish. When we talked about all of this cool stuff, never once mentioned that damn dog in that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, that thing survived. We didn't even have to mention the dog, and we still had this great conversation. Guys, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, if you if you are convinced like Lee and me to read the books, Zenger convinced me. I hope I've convinced I'm Lee. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope we've all convinced you. These books are bonkers. Um, go check them out. They're fun. It's a good time. Um, you can get giant sharks, you can get aliens, you can get eels and snakes and crocosauruses. Yeah. Go check it out. Um, and uh, tune in. This is Documentary Decemberly. We started with uh, The Meg, which is a real documentary. And by I, the way. I didn't. In the Jason do, Statham story. I, I, yes. Right, right. I didn't do my homework again, so. <laughs> You're welcome. But we've got we've got some real documentaries coming up. Well, real, I should say, in air quotes, uh, because the subjects are going to be aliens and Bigfoot and haunted houses and all that kind of stuff that we know you love, Beyonders. So keep listening for more tales from out there, Beyond Terrestrial. Thank you for listening to Beyond Terrestrial, all three of y'all. If you're still a fan of this show, follow Beyond Terrestrial on social media and join the Beyonders Facebook group for even more strangeness. Links to everything, including previous episodes, are available at beyondterrestrial.com. That's the place to go for stickers, merch, show swag, and our Patreon. Patrons get exclusive access to ad-free shows, giveaways, and the unedited after-show show. Anything you give to the show goes straight to Funk Master B's bachelor pad, which for now is also where these jive turkeys record this show. This show was edited by Simple Equations Media with music by Mike Roop. Dan and Lee will be back next Tuesday with more from Beyond Terrestrial.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.